Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we pause this morning because you invited us to come boldly to the throne of grace and make our requests known unto you. And we come, Lord, with grateful hearts because of who you are and what you have done and are doing in and through our lives. Lord, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, whom you have sent to die in our stead. And you raised from the dead, and now he is interceding at the right hand of God the Father. Lord, I pray that you would take the words of my mouth, and may your Holy Spirit use your word and bring it home to our hearts, and we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Prayer is one of those subjects that many of us shy away from. There are those who would say to me, I don't know how to pray. And I would usually say to them, you don't have any problems talking to me. And I'm a stranger. So if he is your father, and I'm talking about Christians, if he is your father, you should be able to talk to him. If you can't talk to your father, you're in trouble. You might disagree, but you are in trouble if you cannot talk to your father. And in John 17, 1, Jesus prays for himself. And uh, this gives us some guidelines to follow what we call effective praying. Jesus' prayer life was such that his disciples requested of him, Lord, teach us how to pray. If Jesus is our example, and I want you to believe, for those of us who are born-again believers, he is, then we should be his reflectors. His lifestyle should be ours. Our prayer life should be like that of Christ. And if it's not, we need to take an inward look. Permit me to read one verse of scripture. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the time or the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son might glorify you. 
first of all, I want us to look at the posture of prayer. I want you to know that it is not important what your posture is when you pray. Question, was the Lord Jesus standing, sitting, kneeling when he prayed to the Father? We don't know. All we do know is that he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he prayed to his Father. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, he asked them to remove the stone from the grave. In John 11, verse 41. And I quote, So they took away the stones. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. These are prayers that he could thank his father for always because he said somewhere else that the father always hear his prayer. Most people bow their heads and close their eyes when they pray. But Jesus lifted his head and focused his eyes on the heavens. Many people fold their arms when they pray. But I don't find this practice anywhere in Scripture. In fact, the Jews were accustomed to lifting up their hands when they prayed openly as one who is expecting something. They are waiting for something, whatever it is they were asking God for from the Father. In 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 22, we notice that, and I am quoting this verse, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands towards heaven. And said, O God, or O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continues wholeheartedly in your way. I want us to note that he was talking about those who followed him 
and who was convicted that they should follow him and the fact that they continued wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not praying if you're in trouble, but this was and should be all of our lifestyles as believers, as children of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 6, Nehemiah prays to the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen. Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. At your convenience, check out Psalm 28 verse 2 and 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. May I say to you that there are many different prayer postures are recorded for us in the Bible. And all of them are acceptable. Some people bowed the knee when they prayed. Example, Genesis chapter 24 verse 52. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Second Chronicle, chapter 20, verse 18. Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 14. And many other scriptures that we wouldn't be able to go into today are examples of what God expects of us. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, he began by bowing his knees. Luke chapter 22 verse 41. I read, He would draw about a stone throw beyond them, that is beyond his disciple, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will or yours be done. Again, he then fell on his face as he talked with the Father. Matthew chapter 26 verse 39. And I quote, going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. It was Daniel's practice to kneel when he prayed. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. But we note also that King David sat when he talked to the Lord about the promised kingdom. In Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 18. Abraham stood when he interceded for Sodom. 
in Genesis chapter 18 verse 22. So, you will agree with me, there are many postures for prayer. But may I say to you, the important thing is the posture of your heart. It is much easier to bow the knee than to bow the heart in submission to God. Of course, while the outward posture can be an evidence of an inward spiritual attitude, it is not always so. Again, the important thing is the posture of your heart. But we note, secondly, that we pray to the Father. I believe that this is the biblical pattern of prayer. And that is to pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus addressed his father six times in this prayer. Unlike many, some of us would say, Father or Lord, several times during a two-minute prayer or a 30-second prayer. But only four times he simply said, Father. And the other two times he called him Holy Father or and Righteous Father. Permit me to read John 17 verse 11 and 25. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And again, verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. From this, I gather that it is not wrong for us to submit ourselves or to even use adjectives when we are addressing the Father in heaven. However, I believe that we must and we should be careful to mean whatever we say and not to overdo it. We address the Father, of course, because prayer is based on sonship. 
Now, there are those, and I, I have this experience over and over, of individuals who do not know the Lord, and they will come to me, and they will tell me how they prayed and how God answered. And I have no problem with that. God reigns on the just and the unjust. But prayer belongs to sonship. In what we traditionally call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father. Jesus never prayed our Father. We note that in chapter 1 of John, that Jesus had a different relationship with the Father because he is the eternal Son. He said in John 20 verse 17, I ascend to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. We hear people address the Son and even the Holy Spirit. Is this wrong? Well, when Stephen gave his life for Christ, he saw Jesus in heaven, and he addressed his prayer to Jesus. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. I know of no prayer in the Bible addressed to the Holy Spirit since our prayers are addressed to God and since the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all Godheads. But technically, we can address our prayer to each of them. However, the biblical pattern seemed to be that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Nowhere in this prayer does the Lord mention the Holy Spirit. He had in the upper room discourse taught his disciple about the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to quote those verses, John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, when he said, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor or comforter to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Why? Because it neither sees him nor know him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Again, I'd like us to note in John fifteen twenty six 
John 16, 17 through 13, Jude verse 20, instructs us to pray in the Holy Spirit, which seem to relate to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Again, permit me to quote. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I don't know about you, but there are times when I don't know how to pray or what to pray about. But what encourages me is when I realize that, you know, you're not alone because you have the Holy Spirit who is here and is ready and willing to intercede for you. So that gives me a peace because sometimes I could probably be somewhat selfish about what I'm praying about. But my desire is that I pray in accordance with God's will. Not only for my life, but God's will for every moment of every day I spend on this planet. These are verses that every serious prayer warrior should ponder. We cannot expect God to answer unless we are praying in his will. Let me rephrase that. We shouldn't expect God to answer us unless we are praying in his will. But we do. Many times. And we know we are not praying in God's will. But we want it. So we pray and we hope for the best. 1 John 5 verse 14 and 15. I read. This is the confidence we have. In approaching God. That if we ask anything. How? In accordance to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask. We know that we have what we ask of him. Question that I feel coming back from some of you. Uh, but how do I know when I'm in the will of the Lord? 
Well, it's quite easy, you know. We discover the will of God primarily through reading God's word. And guess what? Many of us can't find the time to read God's word and we expect to know what the will of God is. That's almost impossible. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10, I quote, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord or worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. If we are going to grow in the knowledge of God, we need to spend time in his word. It is one of the ministry of the Spirit to teach us from the Word. But He is not to just bring some words and drop it into your spirit like some people believe. You're going to have to go in the Word and you've got to search the Word and then He will lead you into all truths. John 16 Verse 13 and 14. I quote, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, that is to Jesus, by taking from what is mine and make it, making it known to you. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. The fact that prayer is based on sonship suggests that the Father is obligated to listen when his children call. In fact, it is more than an obligation. It is the father's delight when his children fellowship. And the key word there is fellowship with him and share their needs with him. We need a relationship with the father if we are going to Fellowship with him. Matthew 7 verse 11 says again, and I quote, If you then, being evil, knows how to give good gift to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good 
to those who ask him. When I, the night I trusted Jesus Christ, this was one of the passages that I read in a lonely hotel room in Marshava Abaco. And that was the comfort because I knew what it was to give to who was not my children. And I did it because I cared. So, if I trust him and he is my father, what would he withhold from me? The word tells me he will withhold no good things from them that walk. Again, key word, walk uprightly. The Father's heart reaches out in love to his own. And he longs to share good things with them. And the better we know the Father, the easier it is to pray in his will. Third. My third point. We must be willing to yield to the Father's will. Jesus' word. Father, the hour has come. What hour? What time? What is he talking about? He's talking about the hour of which he came into this world. To the hour when he would die on the cross for your sins and mine and was buried and raised again from the dead and finished his great work of redemption. I'd like to go through very quickly with you and show you uh, that the hour or the time that Jesus was talking about in in John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 4 says, Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. John 7, verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him, that is Jesus, But no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his time had not yet come. John 8 verse 20. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him. Why? Because his time or his hour had not yet come. John 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And again, John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew 
that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he now shows them the full extent of his love. John 17.1 Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son might glorify you. I think it was, it is, it was uh, Philip Brooks who said, the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. End of quote. If we, if we want to pray in the will of the Lord, then we must live in the will of God. Prayer is not something that we do. It is something that we are. It is the highest and deepest expression of the inner person. It is this profound relationship between practice and prayer that helps us to understand such promises as we find in Psalm 37 verse 4 and I quote delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart a superficial reading of this promise would lead you to believe that God is a doubting father who plays favored with those who pampers him. But may I say to you, that is not what this promise is. It says, if we delight in the Lord, if we seek to please him in everything, then something is going to happen to your desire. In other words, his desire becomes your desires. And then we can say with the Lord, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Ah, pray Praying, then, is simply a reflection of God's desire for our own hearts. But may I say to you, there is a price when we sincerely praise in the will of God. Jesus was about to receive the cup from the Father's hand in John 18, 10 and 11. The father had prepared the cup and the hour had come, but Jesus was not afraid. Peter, of course, tried to protect the master, 
But Jesus rebuked him with these words that is found in John 18.11. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink of it? End of quote. We need never to fear the will of God. And if we are in the will of God, we never need to fear the answer he gives us to our prayer. If the son asks for bread, will he receive a stone? If he asks a fish, will his father give him a snake? Living in the will of God makes it possible for us to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. God in his mercies can and does answer emergency prayers. Like Peter when he stepped out of the boat and asked Jesus to bid him to come. That was an emergency prayer. All he could say is, Lord, save me. That was an emergency. And many of us find ourselves in situations like that. We don't pray until there is an emergency. But he prefers that we be in constant communication or communion with him. In fact, if we seek to live in his will, we will have fewer emergencies. In conclusion, may I say to you, if prayer is an interruption to your life, then something is wrong. You ever get up in the morning and say, oh boy, I, I don't have time to spend with the Lord this morning. I got to be to work and I'm late already. No, 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 no. That should not be. The fact that we sustain an attitude of prayer does not mean that we avoid regular prayer time. It is the regular occasion of prayer that makes it possible for us to continue in the right attitude of prayer. We do not enjoy Thanksgiving dinners or holiday festivals like Christmas meals or feasts at every meal. We, 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 we don't have this. You may be different, but I don't have that kind of luxury. My wife working all the time, and even if she didn't, if she just stayed home and cooked for me, I don't think I'll have a Christmas meal every day, three times a day. That'll be asking a bit much. 
we do enjoy the Thanksgiving dough. And we enjoy the Thanksgiving dinners and holiday feasts at whenever they come around. But we are able to enjoy those special times when we have eaten regular meals. Normally, for some of us, three times a day. We begin the day with prayer. We pray at mealtimes. We lift prayers to God our Father during the day as the Spirit invoke us. We close the day with prayer. When we practice this, it is like breathing. Our prayer becomes so much a part of our lives that we are often not even conscious of the fact that we are doing it. How many of you woke up last night and touched yourself and say, Oh boy, I wonder if I'm breathing. I didn't think anyone did, but if you did, that's extraordinary. You need to check with a doctor. Because it's normal. When you stop breathing, you are not going to check to see if you're breathing. Am I correct? Uh, Well, I haven't seen anybody do it. So I'm taking for granted that it doesn't really happen. Jesus said, Father, The time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Prayer is at its highest and its noblest when one's desire is not to get something, but to get closer to God. What is your desire today? Many times the things that we ask for only last for a few moments and then it's gone. But the closer we get to our Father, the more we will enjoy the peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. And you promise us that your word will not return unto you word, but it will accomplish that unto which you have sent it. Send your word, speak to our hearts, and cause us to recognize that we need you, Lord, above all else. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.